Good morning, church. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Uh, we are just excited to be able to be with you again. God bless you for getting up, making the effort to be a part of this worship assembly. We are, as a church, a family of believers, and trying to stay connected as that family isn't the easiest thing to do. But we're doing several different things now, and we're just excited that you're able to be with us. As that family of believers, we're doing the best we can to worship God in spirit and in truth, uh, to share Christ Jesus with the world around us, to see lives transformed in a positive way, not only because they're being saved by the grace of God, but because they're really having a life that's uh, greater than they've ever experienced before. And especially as all of us get involved in works of service and works of service to our community. And that's the church we want to be. If that sounds like something you'd want to be a part of, then Bell Shoals, soon to be Creekside, may be exactly the church you need to be a part of. Um, I need you to, uh, before we get into this lesson any further, I'm going to be reading a good bit of scripture today from uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. I'd encourage you maybe to have your Bibles in your lap they are uh, your devices, whatever, so that you're able to read along. I think it'll be more meaningful for you if you do that. Today I'm talking to you about the subject of expectant mother, expectant mother. And uh, so if you would, uh, join with me now in a word of prayer. Holy Father, we really believe and know and we pray that you would help us all to know that we are engaged in true worship even at this moment. We're thankful for those that have already led us in this service. We're thankful for the opportunity to be able to sing together, to pray together, and now, Father, to study the Word together a little bit more. We pray, Father, that you would help us to be expectant, that we would be expecting uh, this not only to be true worship, but that your presence would be with us, that there would be a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. Even though we're scattered across the area, we still are united in worship to you, and we pray that you'll help us to know that your spirit is in this place and that you are wherever two or three are gathered together in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so we pray a blessing upon us all in our worship experience. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, this is a message around the subject of moms and dads and expectant mothers, and but really, it's a lesson about expectancy. So if you're not a mom or a dad, and you're thinking, oh, there's not going to be anything for me. It's really a lesson about expectancy, but it's going to cover around the idea of about expectant moms. Uh, I read this, and I thought this was neat. It said, uh, it's... It is never easy being a mother because if it really were easy, fathers would do it. Uh, another thing I read was there was this question, what did the mother broom say to the baby broom? And the answer is, it's time to go to sweep. Uh, a mother said to her son, look at that kid over there. He's not misbehaving. And the son replied, well, maybe he's got good parents then. Uh, a daughter said to her mom, Mom, what's it like having the greatest daughter in the world? And the mom replied, you know, I don't know, dear. Let's call and ask grandma. Uh, a mom said, and this is the last one so you can relax. A mom said, what did the mother bullet say to the daddy bullet? The, the dad says, what? And the mom said, we're going to have a BB. 
So moms and dads have great expectations. They have expectations about their life. I think we all do. We have expectations about our life, but we also have expectations about our children and about their lives. Expectations, though, are often perfect. We expect it to be perfect, but reality is not quite perfection. It's almost always imperfect. Even when it goes extraordinarily well, we can often find something that didn't go well. We expected it to go just a little bit better sometimes than it went. John Quincy Adams, for example. Now, he probably held uh, some of the most important offices ever in the country. In fact, he was involved in more things in helping to build this country just about than almost any other person. He was the president. He was a senator. He was a congressman. Uh, he was a minister for European powers for the United States. He participated in various ways in the American Revolution. He was involved in the War of 1812. Uh, he also uh, was involved in events leading up even to the Civil War. But at the age of 70, looking back on his life, uh, he said this, My whole life has been a succession of disappointments. I can scarcely recollect a single instance of success in anything that I ever undertook. Now, that's amazing. A man that meant that much to this country, and yet he had greater expectations than what really happened in his life. So stop expecting this life to be perfect, but expect that perfection is going to come one day. I saw this cartoon that had a fourth grade boy standing toe-to-toe and nose-to-nose with his math teacher. And on the blackboard behind the on this cartoon drawing, there was this image of all these math problems on the board, and none of them had been answered. And the boy looks at his teacher, and this is the caption, I'm not an underachiever. You're an over-expector. And I think sometimes that is the case. Sometimes we are over-expectors. Daniel Borenson, who was the former librarian, uh, librarian of uh, Congress and the director of the Smithsonian for a time, he wrote this, and I thought this kind of speaks to this point. He said, we expect the contradictory and the impossible. We expect compact cars, which are spacious, luxurious cars, which are economical. We expect to be rich and charitable, powerful and merciful, active and reflective, kind and competitive. We expect to be inspired by mediocre appeals for excellence to be made literate by illiterate appeals for literacy. We expect to eat and stay thin, to be constantly on the move and ever more neighborly, to go to the church of our choice and yet feel its guiding power over us to revere God and to be God. Wow, we want to be it all, don't we? Expectation, someone has defined it, is having our or showing an excited feeling that something is about to happen, especially something pleasant and interesting. Now, that's got a similar word that we use in Christianity called hope. And the word hope has been defined as uh, hope is the expectation 
that something outside of ourselves is going to come to our rescue and we will live happily ever after. I don't know if that's exactly the definition in the Bible. In fact, I know it's not the definition in the Bible, but it is the definition a lot of people give to hope. So stop expecting life to be perfect, but then don't expect it to be terrible. There's the two extremes, the ones who expect everything to work out and the other extreme expecting nothing to work out. It's all going to go bad. But since we're Bible believers, we need to learn some good expectancy. For example, James 5 and verse 11 says, You have heard the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended. So now Job had lots of trouble. But as the old saying goes, he was blessed double for all of his trouble. So good expectancy is real, and we need to have that. Let me give you another scripture. Romans 8 and verse 28 says, All things work together for good to those who love God. Now, do we have any proof of that in the scriptures? Well, I think Joseph's life, for example. Now, he had a lot of harsh things happen to him. I mean, he was almost killed. He sold as a slave. He's put into prison. And there were so many things that went wrong in his life, and yet it all turned out wonderful at the end. I think we need to see that that the scriptures are teaching us this long-term effect. 2 Peter 3 and verse 12 gives us another example of biblically good expectancy when it says, looking for and hastening the coming day of God. Now, so we should be looking forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus. And as Christians, we say we are expectant about that. Not everybody is, by the way, that's a Christian. Some are scared about that coming. But nonetheless, that's what we're supposed to do. And so we should be expecting it all the time. And yet, I have to admit, it's been 2,000 years and nothing's happened yet. So there is a tendency within some to become skeptical. But the truth is, is that we are still to look forward and hasten the day of the Lord. So there are things we should expect. Uh, We want to look at, I've got an unusual outline today. If if you've got the copy of it, you'll see it's really just two points. I want to look at two views of expectancy in this lesson called Expectant Mother. And what we're going to be dealing with is a story from the life of Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha. So I'm going to start reading here in just a moment. If you want to be in 2 Kings 4, I'm going to read, first of all, verses 8 through 16. And the first point that we're looking at, the first side of this equation, because it's like a two-sided equation here. The first side is expecting nothing special. And that's a good thing to learn to do, to expect nothing special. And in that, being faithfully resigned to receiving nothing special. You mean that'd be a faithful thing? Well, it is in this text. And so I want you to hear the first part of this, and that's being faithfully resigned to nothing special. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 says, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. And she persuaded, so she apparently had some money, the way that's stated. And she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. So she's nice. She's supporting his work. Verse 9, and she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Verse 10, please 
let's let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so it will be whenever he comes to us he can turn in there isn't that great they had enough money not only to feed him but now they're actually creating a room to take care of him verse 11 and it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there verse 12 then he said to Gehazi his servant call this Shunammite woman when he had called her she stood before him verse 13 and he said to him say now to her look you have been uh, concerned for us with all this care, what can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king? See, Elisha moved in those circles. To the king or to the commander of the armies? And Elisha and Elijah, they moved in those circles and they knew those people. Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my people. Like, no, if I needed something, I could ask my people. But no, I don't need anything. Verse 14, so he said, when then is it to be, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, well, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. And you know, in that day, they didn't have social security. So the way you took care of an old person is you had a son or a daughter that took care of you when you got old. She had nothing like that. Verse 15, so he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Verse 16, then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Now, that doesn't mean she didn't want a son. She obviously probably did since she'd never had one. I mean, most women crave that all of their life. But at the same time, she was in a position where she was doing fairly well, had some money, and she didn't want him to mess with her and kid her or whatever he was doing but that's what the man of God actually meant, and it actually happened. So the first thing, though, is you need to recognize sometimes being faithful is being content without. That's right. We need to learn sometimes to not expect. Expecting nothing special is sometimes a blessing. To just be faithful in doing what you're doing, to never having this or to never having that. I never have that kind of a car or that kind of a house or that many children or even a child. I, I don't expect it. I'm just going to be faithful in doing what I'm doing. That was this woman. That's who she was. But the second lesson on this point about her in this, she was being faithfully resigned to her situation. She was being fully rewarded for what she had done. If you follow on, and I'll keep reading now, verse 14. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. Verse 15, so he said, call her. When he called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you will embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, uh, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Verse 17, but the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her. Verse 18, And the child grew, and it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers. We'll get to that in just a moment. Here's the thing. She didn't expect this. She was expecting nothing for her faithfulness. But she was fully blessed 
anyway. I bet you've experienced that. I bet you've experienced just being faithful, not really expecting anything special, and suddenly God comes in and gives you something you never expected. So you need to learn to be blessed as an expectant mom, uh, expecting nothing special, just being faithfully resigned to that and being fully rewarded at the same time. Some of you are moms that you didn't think you'd ever be moms. And what a blessing that is. Some of you are dads, never expected it. Some of you gotten jobs, you never expected. You were just trying to be faithful where you were. That's the first lesson. And that's an important lesson. Sometimes we just need to be expecting nothing special. The second lesson that's really important is expecting something special. And we need to learn how to do that too, because that's quite different. And the first aspect of this is kind of unusual. It is being frightfully repugned. Now, repugned is a word that means to offer opposition or objection or resistance. This woman knew how to do this. She could be pretty tough. She's tough in this text because 2 Kings 4, we're going to start now in verse 18, and then you'll see what I'm talking about. Verse 18 says, And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. So he was big enough to go out, kind of walk around. I don't know how old he was, but he's big enough to do that. Verse 19, maybe five, something like that. And he said to his father, My head, my head. So he said to a servant, Carry him to his mother. And verse 20, when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees. So she could, he couldn't have been 21, you know. So he sat on her knees till noon and then died. So this little boy is dead now. The gift from the great prophet died. Verse 21. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. So she put him in the room that she had built for the man of God and shut the door up upon him and went out. Verse 22. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So this is a donkey drawn cart. Verse 23. So he said, why are you going to him today? Is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. I'm guessing she hadn't told him the whole story yet. And she said, it is well. Verse 24. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive, wow, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you, verse 25. So she's ready to go. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And so it was when the man of God saw her afar off, so it's a big mountain, you can see things a long way from up there, that he said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, I guess you can see her from a distance. Verse 26, please run now to meet her and say to her, it is well, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with a child? And she answered, it is well. Hmm, interesting. She wanted an audience with him. Verse 27, now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she called him, caught him by the feet. So she fell down at his feet and grabbed hold of him. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God says, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So even the man of God didn't know everything, right? Verse 28. So she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, 
do not deceive me. She's upset. Verse 29, then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way if you meet anyone do not greet him, and if anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. So take your stick, lay it on the kid. Verse 30, and the mother of the child said, now listen to this, as the Lord lives, this is like swearing, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Talking to Elisha, you're coming with me. And so he arose and followed her. <laughs> She's tough. Verse 31, but I don't blame her. Think about their situation. Verse 31, now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to meet him and told him, saying, the child is not awakened. Verse 32, when Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. Uh, this woman was upset. She was very upset. And quite honestly, you got to understand, she kind of had a right to be, right? Uh, she hadn't really expected a child, and yet God had fulfilled that expectation, and now she's blessed, and now the child is dead. You know, at this point, she did expect. What did she expect? She expected that if God was going to give her a child like that, that there were great things coming for her child. She expected things for her child. She expected things for her family. She expected because now she has. And I think that's a lot of us. We actually do expect some special things to happen because of what's gone before. And it was right for her to think that way. Not only was she willing to literally repune or attack almost the prophet of God, but now she is finally going to be reaffirmed because the story goes on that God was paying attention to this. This is a lesson for the prophet, and it's a lesson for the woman with the child, the mom. It says in verse 32, when Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. That's that bed that she had built for him. Verse 33, he went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. See, he couldn't do this. This was God. If, this, if God gave it, God's got to fix it. Verse 34, and he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands and he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. So that seems like the child wasn't fully dead at that moment, but the child is not moving. Verse 35, he returned and walked back and forth in the house. Does that sound like a man that just knew what God was going to do? that he knew exactly how this was going to turn out? I don't think so. And again, he went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times. So sneezing, apparently a good thing. And the child opened his eyes, verse 36, and he called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came to him, he said, pick up your son. And verse 37, so she went in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. Wow. So God answered her prayer. I think this teaches a lot of different things, but one of the things it teaches me is that she was reaffirmed because she really believed 
that if the man of God had given her a son, that God wanted this son to continue. And so it's like us. We need to sometimes expect great things because of what has gone before. And because of what God has already done, you should expect things to continue. Pray until something happens. If you've been sick and you nearly died and you did not die, maybe you ought to think like this. God lets you live because he's got something he'd like for you to do. I think we need to think like that. That's kind of the way this woman's thinking. But you need to learn to that you can be blessed as an expectant mom. How? When you, you expect something special. You can be frightfully repugning to people who would oppose your child. Anybody who would dare, if God gave you a child, that would dare try to hinder your child from becoming all that you expect out of them, I think you need to stand up and say, hey, hey, I wasn't expecting this child. God gave me this child. I expect great things from this child. And then to finally be reaffirmed, you expect good things to come, you will be given those good things. So these are really two interesting sides of one coin about being an expectant mother. There is the expecting nothing special, but being faithfully resigned and yet fully rewarded. You weren't looking for these things to happen, but God gave you those things. Praise the Lord. You expected nothing for your faithfulness. On the other side of the coin, there's expecting something special, and this woman did. After this had happened, she could expect this to happen. And I think we need to learn to be frightfully repugned that anybody that would oppose good that would happen to your children or your family after God has gifted you with those things, and then you need to fight for it and go to the Lord for it and ask God to bless you in that. And I believe you'll be finally reaffirmed. So stop expecting life to be perfect, but then don't expect it to be terrible. You need to learn to expect the right kind of things. Life is not perfect, but it's certainly not terrible, and we need to seek to make it better. For example, let me give you an example on how we need to use this expectancy in our life. There was a Harvard study by uh, a social uh, psychologist, Robert uh, Rosenthal, uh, many years ago. This study goes kind of like this, that what they had done is, this was in San Francisco, they'd gone into the grade schools and they'd taken IQ tests of the kids. And the teachers were told, so they kind of fibbed to the teachers, the teachers were told that these tests could predict the students' expected growth and that they would literally have a spurt of, of uh, uh, academics. They would suddenly change because of these tests. This was Years ago. So they drew names, literally. They took these kids, they gave them all these tests, found out what their IQ scores were. And then they drew these names out of a hat and they told the teachers that these were the children who had displayed a very high degree for potential of improvement because of their IQs. Now, naturally, the teachers thought that they had been selected because of their test performances. That's not true. They were just taken randomly. And so they began to treat these children as if they were special children. The most amazing thing began to happen overall after they began to treat these children as if they were special kids. Late bloomer kids averaged four more IQ points. Now, we're talking about the, the older kids in the uh, grade school. And the second test, and when they took the second test, they averaged four points higher on their IQ point. The gains were most dramatic, though, in the lower grades. So 
if you want to learn something here, you've got to have high expectations early on in a child's life. This is important. First graders uh, whose teachers expected them to advance intellectually jumped in their IQ score 27.4 points. That's first graders. Just because the teachers suddenly expected them to grow intellectually. The second grade uh, increased on the average of 16.5 points compared to their peers. And there was this little Latin American child who had already been classified as mentally retarded in that day with an IQ of 61. After these expectancies that these teachers were told about, this child was retested and received an IQ of 106. Hmm. Expectations of the teachers had translated to expectations and abilities in the child, and their IQ literally responded. Isn't that interesting? Elizabeth Doolittle in My Fair Lady said, the difference between a lady and a flower girl is not how she behaves, but how she is treated. Maybe, maybe if we just expected a little more and treated people as if they good things could come, what would happen? If you don't expect much, the child may just shrug his shoulders and say, well, why should I try? Nobody thinks I can do it anyway. Every child benefits from someone who believes in him or her. I do believe most moms believe in their children, but if you don't, you need to learn to at least make them feel like they are believed in. The more you have placed on high expectations of them, the more likely your child is to reach those possibilities. Expect the best, and that's usually what you get. Sometimes our expectations and attitudes set us up for failure, though. Uh, A young psychology student in the Army decided to test this theory. It's interesting. He he actually drew uh, what they call kitchen duty in the military, which they say is not a great thing, but he was on the serving line and he was assigned at the very end of the serving line where you're about through getting all your food. And he was given apricots, army apricots. Nobody liked them. Everybody hated them. And so it was his job to pass out as many of those army apricots as he could in the chow line. So he decided he would try a test since he's a psychology student and he, so the first few that came through, he said, and he, he documented this, he wrote this down. He said, you don't want any apricots, do you? And he, he said, 90% of the answers were no. You don't want any apricots, do you? And 90% came by and said, no, nine out of 10. And then he tried that for a little while. He wrote all that down. And then he thought he'd try a positive approach. So he started asking the guys as they were coming by, you do want apricots, don't you? And uh, the most of the answers, 50% of the time was, uh, uh, yeah, I'll take some. So that's 50% of the time. So it went up from 90% not wanting because he changed the way he phrased it to him. Finally, he decided a third test while he's standing there. And this is what he said, one dish or two of the apricots. And in spite of the fact that the soldiers don't like apricots, took two dishes and 50% 
took one. It may be all in the way you speak to each other and how you treat people with the proper kind of expectancy. So if you don't expect, you may get what you don't expect. Expect nothing uh, to be fully resigned and to be fully rewarded is a wonderful position. Don't, don't make fun of that. You didn't expect anything wonderful to happen for you. You're contented. That's a wonderful thing. But if God has blessed you in one way, that it looks like if he's done that, he, he might do something else. Well, then be frightfully repugned when a child God has given you begins to be pushed back. Get upset about it. Fight for them and be finally reaffirmed because God will affirm you. Uh, God blesses you in maybe more ways than you expect. So uh, he may bless you if you're not an expectant mother and you're resigned to that. Praise the Lord in that and just be faithful in that place. If you have or are an expectant mother, then praise the Lord in that and expect great things out of your children, that your children will do well and, and give them that feeling. Expect your child to be a Christian, to be a faithful Christian, to sit with you in church and expect good things to happen. And even though both of those positions are actually quite hard to accept in some respects, because it's it's not easy to always expect when people are maybe going against your child or you're having to fight the system, but you need to do it anyway. And it may not be easy to resign yourself to not expecting something. But if you're faithful, God can help you to be content even there. So this is an interesting lesson. It's two sides of one coin. Let's not disappoint God because, uh, or our moms, <laughs> because they have great expectations for us. Let's do our best to fulfill their expectations for us. He gave us, God expected us to respond to the gospel. Christ died on the cross to save us all. He expects us to respond to that, to believe it, obviously, to be willing to change our life for that. We call that repentance, obviously. To confess that we believe it. Well, that would only make sense. If you believed it, you should say that. And then to make a, a sign that there's a change in your life, that everybody would see it, and that's called baptism. You bury that old man, you come up a new man, and you live a different life. He expects that for you. So if there's any way we can help you fulfill that expectation that God has for you, we want to do that. We need to be worthy of the expectations that God has for us. Less today, since it's Mother's Day, let's go out of our way to fulfill those expectations that our mom has for us. You have a great day. God bless you.